Sharanagati means surrender. It is the, in the language of Sridhar Maharaj, the stage on which the drama of bhakti is performed. Glav Maharaj has said in relation to Navalakshan Bhakti, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Parasevanam, Arjunam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani, Vedanam, Tikpum, Sarpita, Vishnu, Bhakti, Shtyanavakshan, Kriti, Bhakti, Adha, Tanvam, Yedikam, Uttamam. So all these activities of bhakti, hearing, chanting, remembering, and so on, they are the best activities. And they should be performed by someone who is surrendered and for the glorification of Krishna. So Sharanagati, without having this foundation of surrender, then how can we expect to erect the house of bhakti? Unfortunately, the topic, the theology of Gaudiya Vaishnavism is so sweet, high and charming that as much as it invites us to go there from the most fallen condition that we are in, its generosity, Bhakti Devi's generosity, her generosity is such that she extends herself to persons in our condition. So high and charming is the ideal, we're attracted to it, but sometimes we think of going there without going through the necessary steps, without Sharanagati. Without building a foundation, we want the house to go up. Though we want to live in Krishna Leela, but we don't know really what Krishna Leela is about, philosophically, what the import of that is in terms of our everyday life and how our life has to change dramatically in order to be qualified, in order that we qualify ourselves to understand and speak of enter into that high ideal that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to teach about. So this has a, been a problem with the Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition that it touches many people and many unqualified people and many unqualified people want to, like I said before, go there with their shoes on. But this is not appropriate. So Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, the great follower and successor of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, used to like this song very much, Amar Jivan, of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And he used to tell his followers that you want to sing so many songs about Krishna Leela, but you have no interest in singing this song. Sing this song, and if you can like this song, relish the song, have feeling for this song, in which Bhaktivinoda Thakur talks about my life. Now, Bhaktivinoda is talking about his life, and we will be shocked to hear what he says, and we, therefore, like to think that he is just saying this for our sake. It's how, what our life is like, but not his life. And for our sake, in a calculated way, he's made this poem, song, so that we can sing and think about what we're really like and how much we have to change. There's some truth in that, but it's not entirely the case. There's truth in there as much as Bhaktivinoda Thakur's life certainly wasn't like this. 
But he didn't sit down and calculate to think other people's lives are like this, so I'll write a song that's appropriate for them. He actually thought his life was like this, even though it wasn't. Any small, tiny little fault that a real devotee has, if there is any, even, he will magnify it in his mind into something very great. And if there's nothing there, he'll, the nature of his mind and thinking and heart is to create something, to see something wrong with himself. It is said that the neophyte, Kanishtadikari Duodi, has a tendency to think that he is very paka, very proper, and everyone else is doing it wrong. And the superlative devotee, Uttamadikari, thinks just the opposite. Everyone else is doing it right, and only I'm doing it wrong. And he genuinely feels like that. So we will feel like this as we advance in spiritual life, then our faults, which may even be our virtues in the eyes of others, will be magnified in our own eyes. We'll be sometimes preoccupied with them, not in a psychologically damaging way that is artificial. Someone has a psychological complex and is dysfunctional, has an inferiority self-esteem. Inferiority complex or lacking of this, as they say in pop psychology, of self-esteem. <laughs> That's not what we're we're talking about. When we have this problem, this problem gets in the way of our performance of bhajan. But when we actually advance and think of ourselves in terms of flow, esteem, and this kind of thinking does not get in the way of that devotee's bhajan, but it serves to fuel that bhajan in a negative way. It serves as negative impetus. That is how we can differentiate between a psychological complex and actual advancement in devotion. Because sometimes we meet people and they feel themselves very unqualified and so forth. But it's not a product of, of their advancement, rather a product of their conditioning in the modern times as mixed up psychologically as they are. So, as the soul, finite soul, comes closer to the infinite, our imperfection stands out. Our imperfection extends even to, in a sense, to our spiritual reality, not only our material reality, the imperfection that surrounds us, the form of our conditioning, but even spiritually speaking, independent of material conditioning, we are a soul, Krishna's soul. We are consciousness, Krishna's consciousness. But we are small in size and prone to the condition we find ourselves in. Whereas Krishna's large in size and not prone to this kind of conditioning. So in a sense, even spiritually we are defective. The jiva soul, tatastashakti, tata means like neither here nor there with whom we associate with, we become like. So when we associate with material nature, we become dull, like matter. And we can't see our spiritual prospect. Sometimes we can't even understand how to pursue our material prospect. And when we associate with the internal energy in the form of great devotees and other manifestations of divinity, the Lord in the form of His holy name, sacred literature, and so forth, 
then this kind of association brings us to life rather than making us dull and inert, alive to our prospect. With the help of that internal energy that surrounds the great devotees, Daivim Prakritimashrita, Mahatmanastama, then we can have the possibility of associating with the Lord. Not of our own nature, so to speak, but by the product of that association. We have some some possibility, but it will never be realized without that sangha, without that association. We have a propensity to love. So that makes it possible for us to love Krishna. But without that association of the Lord's devotees and the infusion of his surup shakti in our heart, then it's not possible. So we are deficient, materially deficient, spiritually. But the closer we come to the infinite, then the more our deficiency shows up to us. And so great devotees like Bhaktivinoda Thakur sing about their perceived deficiency and we really feel like that. When we associate with them, like Bhaktivinoda Thakur through his songs, today's his appearance day, we're singing this song and so many songs he wrote by which he made the culture of Krishna consciousness very palatable, very easy, taking the, as others have done before him, the high theology and the profound wisdom of the Upanishads and so on and putting it in simple Bengali rhyme, putting it to music, simple instruments and singing with his heart. He reveals his heart and we can associate by singing this and we can associate with his heart. And so here he sings Amar Jivana about my life and as I say, his life as he perceives it is really what our life is about. And when we read through the song, we'll see why Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthadaka was fond of this song, because he wanted us to go step by step from the lowest point of conditioned life to our highest spiritual prospect in Krishna Lila, Pragmarg, the path of spontaneous love. So he wanted, as I mentioned, his disciples to sing this song, and he said, when you can take pleasure in this and really have feeling for this song, then there's hope for you. Otherwise, to sing about Krishna Lila, it's easy to appear to have some feeling, but if, when our mind drifts naturally and spontaneously to the kind of things that Bhaktivinoda mentions here, and when we can understand something about spontaneity <laughs> and what Ragmarg is, the Ragmarg means how you feel for your daughter, how you feel for your son, your wife, your husband, girlfriend, boyfriend, mother, how you feel naturally, spontaneously to think about them in a caring way, in a loving way, as may be the relationship, to feel that way about Krishna, feel that way about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu who came to give that. When some feeling, actual feeling for Krishna, it's just similar, different, of course, because that material feeling is based on in, incompleteness of all the feel as a result of identifying with the body. It's a fullness, but it's similar. With the same kind of thinking, in the way I'm saying that the mind goes naturally mm-hmm. and thinks about that person. When we think about that person, of course, 
really thinking only of our, largely only of ourself and our material conditioning that has us in that bond, that relationship. If we extend this self-thinking, self-caring to the Supreme Self, identifying ourself as part and parcel of the Supreme Self, then our life becomes successful. But try to imagine a little bit what the real devotees feel. For that person, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu, Radha and Krishna, Krishna and Bhagavan actually have this kind of feeling of love, affection. Just to hear the name, Goranga, about the place where he lives, about his associates, any little information about him, heart leaps while busy with something else, thinking about him in so many ways. So, now our mind is moving spontaneously in a very different way. Well, we have a big task to turn that around. Yes, and principally the means to do that is to hear about Krishna, but we have to hear about Krishna, Lila, and we have to hear the Siddhanta, the philosophical conclusions about what that is. One has to become a Tattvavit, knower of Tattva, Siddhanta, philosophy, before he gets any real feeling. Otherwise we project our material sense of enjoyment into Krishna Lila and think we'd like to go there and enjoy Krishna Lila for ourselves remaining in the center. So, to do away with that, help us to, uh, these kind of songs are very useful. Bhakti Vinod says, Amad jivana sada pape rata nahiko punyalesha. The Prabhupada has given a purport. This is a song sung by Bhakti Vinod Thakur in Vaishnav humbleness. The Vaishnav is always meek and humble. So he is describing the life of the people in general. My life, Amad jivana, is sada pape. It's always sinful. My life is always sinful. And if you try to find out, you will not even find a trace of pious activities in me. Only sinful activities. Ratanahiko punyalesha. Of piety, you will not find anything. This reminds me of the famous statement of Krishna's Kaviraj Gosami and Chaitanya Charitamrita where he says that I am lower than Jagai and Madai the classic sinful people found in the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu he said my life is like a worm in, in the stool it means that if you find a worm in the stool and you pull that worm out it'll scurry back in so I'm lower than the worm in the stool means that I gravitate towards the lowest things and even if somebody tries to pull me out, I go back. This is my nature. I find some pleasure there. I'm so unfortunate. And then he says, whoever hears my name loses his piety. Whoever chants my name becomes impious. This is said to be the statement of the Sampradaya of the lineage that exemplifies the sonnet of the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Shikshastakam where he says, Trinadupi Sunichena. Once you think oneself lower than a straw on the street. So Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami actually felt that way and he made this kind of statement. 
in Bhaktivinoda Thakur, this uh, mention of piety and impiety in regards to himself. I have no piety. My life is full of impiety. If anybody looks for piety in me, then of piety there's none to be found. Remind us of Krishna's Kaviraj, his own statement. He says, And parere udveg diachi jekoto diachi divere klesha. I am always inclined to give trouble to other living entities. That is my business. I want to see that others are suffering, and then I enjoy. There's a saying, English saying, misery loves company. Isn't it the fact? So this is the pleasure of material life, because everyone is suffering. That is the nature of material life. If I can... (laughs) If I can give some suffering to someone else and I can feel I'm I'm happy. My life is better. If I get others to suffer along with me, then somehow I think that my life has become better. So we are inclined to give trouble to others and thereby think, oh, now I'm I'm better off. Thereby I'm I'm enjoying. That is my business. I want to see that others are suffering and then I enjoy. Nijashuka lagi paupe nahidori for my personal happiness, I can accept any kind of sin. In other words, to satisfy my senses, make myself happy. There's nothing I won't stoop to. This is the nature of material life. Just put yourself in a difficult situation and see how your standards will plummet. Then it will be cast aside. Therefore, keep good company. Hear these things regularly, and there's a chance that you can change your nature. There's a chance. Without this, there's no chance. Without the association of devotees, there's no chance that you can change your nature. When it's our happiness, our survival, our interest, this is the bottom line of our life. And we may do things we could never imagine. And when the occasion doesn't arise that doing such a thing is necessary to save ourselves or our face or whatever may be the case, then we could never imagine doing such things, but put ourselves in a position, we find we embrace them, rationalize those activities, and take them up, and this way our life is so unfortunate. As I say, if we can keep good company, hear these kind of songs like this of Bhaktivinoda and think about it, in good association is a chance that we can change. Otherwise, no. He says, Daihina Svartaparo. I am not at all merciful, and I see only to my personal interest. Dorehina, I am without mercy and sartaparo. Paraduke suki sada mityabhasi. As such, when others are suffering, I become very happy, and I am always speaking lies. I am never speaking the truth. This is material life, it is said in the English. Oh, what a web we weave when at first we choose to deceive. So material life is like that. The basic deception, I'm the body. Then to have a life, we have to make up so many stories. One after another, after another, after another. In the broadest sense, this is true. And in a small, microscopic sense, we can understand. You tell one lie, then you have to support it. Occasion arises with another and another and another. In this way, a web is woven, and a web is very difficult 
to get out of. It can be gotten out of by one thing, by becoming satam, and that is the name for devotees, truthful. This is the call of Srimad Bhagavatam. Be truthful, be honest with yourself. This is the beginning. No cheating. Give up the cheating propensity by associating with honest persons, faithful persons. Paradukha Sukhokaro. And if someone is suffering, that gives me very much pleasure. Ashesha Kamana Hridi Maja Mara. I have lots of desires within my heart and I'm always angry and falsely prestigious. Always puffed up with false pride. Madhamata Sadabishai Mohita. I'm captivated by subject matters of sense gratification and I'm almost crazy. Hingsagarva Vibhushan. My ornaments are enviousness and false pride. Nidralasya Hata Sukarje Virata. I am conquered by sleep and laziness, and I am always averse to pious activities. Akarja Udyogi Ami. I am very enthusiastic to perform impious activities. Pratishtalogiya Satya Acharan. I always cheat others for my false prestige. Lobahata Sadakami. I am conquered by greediness, and I am always lusty. Ehino Durjan Sajjana Varjita. I am so fallen that... I have no association with devotees. Aparadi nirantar. I am an offender always. Shubha karja shunya. In my life there is not a bit of auspicious activity. Sadhanartamana. And my mind is always attracted by something mischievous. Nana duke jara jar. Therefore at the fag end of my life I am almost invalid by all such sufferings. Bardhakke ekono upai vihina. Now in my old age I have no alternative. Tate dina akinchan. Therefore, by force, I have now become very humble and meek. Bhaktivi nod prabhuro charane kore dukko nivedhan. Thus Bhaktivi nod Thakur is offering his sad statement of his life's activities at the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord. Thakur Bhaktivinodaki. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur, of course, was a great reformer of the Gaudiya tradition, great spokesperson in the modern era, and a wonderful person to bring to the attention of the modern public. Most of our saints in our tradition would live renounced lives, but Bhaktivinoda Thakur lived a worldly life in contrast, although in the context of a worldly setting, he set an exemplary life of a sadhu, such that in his own time, he was compared to the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. Pious Hindu gentleman, I forget his name. So I think Subhash Chandra was, was either, not the military fellow, but the, the poet. Anyway, one fellow gave him that title Seventh Goswami, and it rang throughout Bengal. Seventh Goswami. It's interesting because Seventh Goswami, because he renovated the tradition, Sampradaya, in, in a big way in the times when it had become, its real teaching, well, large extent, had become obscured and there was much misrepresentation of the tradition. So as the six Goswamis of Vrindavan brought life, the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave the books 
and started the religion. Bhaktivinoda Thakur kind of started it over again. And some people say that it wasn't in as fallen of a state as it is sometimes made out to be. Sometimes people make that argument, historians and, and so forth. There may be some truth to that, but in his own region, at least, in Bengal, he did much to renovate. But more than that, he positioned the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to go worldwide, to receive acclaim internationally and attention. And indeed, he predicted that there would soon come a day when people from all over the world would come in Mayapur and chant Jai Satchinandan, Jai Satchinandan, Jai Satchinandan. And I know I was one of the fortunate persons to be involved in the fulfillment of that prediction. I was on that road chanting Jai Satchinandan some years after Bhaktivinoda had predicted it and the first historic occasion in which his prediction came true. He was a great visionary, as were the six Goswamis. But interestingly, as I mentioned, the six Goswamis were all recluses. Uh, they were all renunciates. They weren't family men. But Bhaktivinoda Thakur fathered ten children. So in the midst of a worldly life, a worldly setting, he did all these things, which is very extraordinary and very instructive to us very encouraging to the general populace who are not recluses, monastics, but family people. He used to go to the villages himself and canvas in the different villages amongst the families involving people in what he called the Namhata, marketplace of the holy name. And um, began kind of a multi-level marketing of the chanting of the holy name of Krishna. And... Um, in this way, as I say, positioned it, fashioned it such that common people would have great scope for taking it up. So his life is very instructive and it would be very useful to bring to light to the modern spiritual public of the West the person of Bhakti Thakur as saints of other traditions like Rumi and others have been brought to light through their poetry by modern thinkers and writers. So the Chaitanya tradition would do well to bring to light the life of Bhakti Minotaka, write about him in a modern language and even perhaps render his poems, his Bengali poems, in a contemporary style. He's perhaps the most ideal person in the Chaitanya tradition to do this with in the modern times and I have thought about it myself more than once, and today on the occasion of his appearance. And it comes to mind as we sit here and sing just one of his thousands of songs from one of his books, Sharanagati. I think he wrote a hundred books. Imagine a hundred books and father ten children. He was a magistrate in the court system, and he worked as hard as any average person to raise his children and support them and so forth, but had so much time for his devotional life as well, rising early in the morning and attending to all devotional activities and his sadhana, bhajana. So an ideal example, a great uh, 
grandfather and great great grandfather for us, Bhaktivinoda sometimes called the pioneer of Gaudiya Vaishnavism in the Western world, was his desire, Sridhar used to say, his conception for worldwide dissemination of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that Bhakti Siddhanta, his son and disciple for follower, gave shape to in the form of Gaudiya Math, forming an institution for sending missionaries out all over the world. And Bhaktivedanta Swami, Prabhupada, his disciple, actually took it. He was one of those missionaries, the most prominent one. He took it all over the world. So this is our something about our lineage, our amongst many lineages of the Chaitanya tradition. This is ours, and we're proud to be a member of that lineage that fulfilled the prediction of Mahaprabhu, Pratipati Achitattana Gauradigram Sarvata Pachalayibhimarana, that his name would be heard in every town and village. Bhaktivinoda Thakur's book, Life and Precepts of Sri Chaitanya, is sometimes said to be the first book of Gaudiya Vaishnavism to reach western shores. Somehow it appeared at McGill University in Montreal, Canada, around 1896, which coincidentally was the year of the birth of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who was to be his grand disciple and actually come to the western shores and preach the life and precepts of Lord Chaitanya here. The Gaudiya Vaishnav Society, incidentally, was the first Gaudiya Vaishnav institution to publish the life and precepts of Lord Chaitanya, that book of Bhaktivinoda Thakur in an updated English edition for the modern public, and it was the first book. That was the second book that we published. The first book was a song book of, of Srila Marj's prayers and songs, some of them. You did it way back in 1986, I think. Life and Precepts of Sri Chaitanya's Life and Precepts. Thakur Bhaktivinoda's book, which he wrote in English. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, just to again give you some idea of how he was on the cutting edge of worldwide international preaching and dissemination of the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he had a correspondence with Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau, the original American transcendentalists, as they're sometimes called. So he was uh, positioned by Krishna to hobnob with, uh, as far as possible, with such persons in India, with Rabindranath Tagore and his son, who was a contemporary of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Rabindranath Tagore had won, a, won a, as you probably know, the Nobel Prize at one time and met with Albert Einstein. And so Gaudiya Vaishnavism was given dignity by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, not just in a small place of West Bengal amongst uh, pious Hindus or within the tradition. And as I say, sometimes I've heard the challenge that the Sampradaya was not in such a fallen uh, condition as some of the followers of Bhakti Siddhanta make it out to be and, and to give Bhaktivinoda Thakur so much credit for uplifting it. But even if you can bring forward some evidence to that effect, you cannot get away from the glory of Bhaktivinoda Thakur for the dignity he brought to Gaudiya Vaishnavism in terms of, as I'm saying, interfacing with, or seeking to, and inspiring his followers to ultimately do so, interfacing with international figures and the uh, leading thinkers 
in many respects. Some of the leading thinkers of the world were on the spiritual horizon internationally at the time. So he was chosen, we can understand, by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to do this kind of work. And it's our lineage. We are in that lineage, so this lineage has been chosen. That's a, this is our calling. We shouldn't hide away from this in the name of finding our place in uh, Krishna Leela <laughs> through bhajan. Bhajan should be there, but preaching should be there, propagating and presenting this theology with dignity. Uh, this will call the grace and attention of Bhakti Vinotakura on us. And if we can, I guarantee you, this is the way Bhakti works. If somehow or other, in spite of your bad qualities and shortcomings, if some real Vaishnav, somebody of real consequence, likes you, you cannot underestimate the power of that. You can be delivered in spite of your shortcomings. Somehow or other, you're able to endear yourself to such a person. There's nothing greater that you could do with your life than that. All form of sadhana, everything, it doesn't compare to that. This is more powerful. Not that we shouldn't do sadhana, but I'm just telling you, this has great power. So we could do something to get Bhaktivinoda's attention. I mean, one of my godbrothers was told by Prabhupada, our Gurudev, that I think if he got the land that Prabhupada wanted for his international mission in Mayapur, that Bhaktivinoda would come and personally deliver him. That kind of a benediction, cannot, shouldn't underestimate that. <laughs> Those things are possible. So we shall try in all the standard ways to endear ourselves to Bhaktivinoda Thakur and, and the likes of Bhaktivinoda Thakur by spiritual practice and embracing the teaching and so forth. But if we can somehow be fortunate enough to find out something that's needed, some necessity in the mission of Chaitanya Mapu and fill in there, I can tell you from my own limited experience that there's nothing more powerful than that to bring about a cause our spiritual advancement. Our ability to practice is very limited. The very opportunity to practice comes from the devotee. If somehow we can endear ourselves to that devotee, that will be more powerful than our ability to practice. And that will enable us in due course of time to actually put the practice the practices into practice and <laughs> perfect our lives. Vashnav Kripoki Jai Takur Bhakti Vinodavi Bhama Mutsuti Ki Jai Bhakti Vinodavi Bhama Mutsuti
Amen.